Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Thomas Domke, the vice president for special projects at GitHub. Since February, they have been working on the Arctic Code Vault, part of the archive program that they are doing at GitHub uh, to make sure that all of our digital assets are preserved for generations to come. Thomas, good morning. Welcome to Singapore's Weekend Mornings. How are you doing today? I'm great. Good morning to Singapore and uh, good afternoon here from Seattle on the west coast of the United States. Now, recently you returned, I believe, from uh, from Sweden. You were there actually looking at this. Tell us about this vault. First of all, give us a physical idea of what it what it looks like. I mean, is it a big hole in the ground? Is it what, what is it exactly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's um, it's um, let me talk about Svalbard first. So Svalbard um, is actually not part of Sweden. It's a it's a demilitarized zone. Ah. Uh, it's it's uh, geopolitical stable um, regulated under the Svalbard Treaty, which was like a World War post World War One uh, regulation. Okay, uh, it's not part of any country, oh. which is really cool. In theory, you can travel there without a passport. If you arrive there, they don't check your passport. Now the problem is. Whether you're coming from Seattle or you're coming from Singapore, you probably have to connect, connect to Norway, uh-huh. and they want to see your passport because sure. you know airlines no longer let you let you board a plane without a passport or ID. Uh-huh. And it's it's governed by the Norwegian gov- government, but it's a it's a really stable little community, three thousand people, uh, uh, and a thousands or so of to- polar bears. Most of the year, it's all ice and snow. Uh, you know, it's right now it's all dark all day. No, no sun is coming up because wow. it's north of the polar circle. And so the sun is, you know, never coming up um, up there in the winter. Yeah. And the Arctic cold vault is in a decommissioned coal mine. So you basically, you know, take a car, you drive up a snowy road, you drive first up the mountain a little bit, and then you enter a coal mine. It's like a really rough, you know, old coal mine. Yeah. And you walk up and down tunnels, which is really cool. And 350 meters, you enter a shaft, and then there you are in front of the Arctic Arctic cold vault. It's kind of like a metal container, if you will. Uh, you know, you have some security controls and you open the door and then you stand in front of, of shelves of um, of um, film reels. It's like, you know, microfilm from a, from a library, uh, but the film reels are in a plastic container. So you're going to actually see them. You just see those containers on the shelves. Yeah. So that's kind of like what you what you envision. The really cool is it's in the it's in the permafrost, right? So it's all, it's the same stable temperatures all year, but because it's up the mountain, and then down the mountain into the mine, there's really no no risk for this. And we, we hope it will survive, you know, thousands of years because neither if the sea levels are rising, uh, uh, it won't reach the entrance of the mine. And even if the permafrost is melting a little bit, we don't expect it to, to freeze in our 200, 200 meters below ground. In this in this coal mine, Thomas, and we're, we're talking to uh, Thomas Domke, the vice president for special projects at GitHub. In the actual vault itself, do do different organizations or countries or people like GitHub have their own sort of lockers that they put stuff into? Or is everything just kind of in one big room? Who decides who gets to go yeah. in there and put their stuff in there? Yeah, so it's a. We were not the first to put our stuff in there. Mm. Um, it's a. It's a collaboration. The project is a collaboration of the mining company that run, runs those coal mines uh, on Svalbard. You know, in Svalbard actually they have only two natural resources. Uh, one is water or ice, and the other one is uh, coal. Uh, nothing else is there. No wood. You know, everything else needs to be imported by ship or by plane. And so um, the mining company started this project called the Arctic World Archive together with the Norwegian government. Hmm. And so there's other, you know, govern, uh, like the Vatican Library, for example, has documents that are stored there. There's private companies, you know, storing their, you know, press archive there. There's, you know, um, other countries, you know, storing data. So it's all kinds of different documents. Hmm. Uh, so it's an archive of, you know, 
human history, if you will, wow. and, and we added our open source code to it. It must be very high security. I mean, it must be tough to get in there. Yeah, I mean, well, it's tough to get there, first of all. Oh, of course. <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, so you have to get there. Great natural, there natural, natural barrier, I guess, uh, first and foremost. Right. <laughs> uh, you, have to, you have to get there, and then the mine is, is secured, you know, with multiple uh, levels of entry control. As you know, the, the, the mine has a door, obviously. Uh, <laughs> then the, the, the tunnels have doors. And then once you actually find the, the shaft with the Arctic code word in it, then the then the, the actual archive also has, you know, security controls on, in it. They do, you know, public tours to the mine. So if you're interested you know, oh. in going there and the pandemic is all over and whatnot, you can tour the mine. It's super fascinating because it's all how they originally left it uh, a couple of years ago when the mine was decommissioned. Yeah. They do not tours of the Arctic World Archive, so they never make it there. Uh, uh, the closest you can get is into the tunnels and you can kind of get a feeling what it was like there for the last uh, 50 years uh, to mine coal. Yeah. Thomas, let's talk about the GitHub Arctic Code Vault. You've got, uh, I believe, 186 reels of, of film, 21 terabytes uh, of data. What's there and, and how much do you actually have uh, in, in your vault? Yeah, so it's, um, you already mentioned the, the reels. So you can imagine it's, it's similar to like a microfilm that you might still find in a library or you might have seen it. I only saw it ever in the movies. Mm. <laughs> I never have seen a library that has those microfilms. And it's, uh, you're it's you're a far too young. I, I actually remember microfilm and microfiche <laughs> at my public library. Yeah. So you're, you're lucky. You're too young to remember that. Sorry, carry yeah. on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah, I'm, I don't feel young sometimes, but I, yeah, I might be too young for that. Um, so it's like a polyester film. Um, it's coated in silver halide, but it's, it's basically, you know, similar to what you find in a, in a library. Hmm. And what's cool about this is it's readable with a human eye, right? So you either need a magnifying glass or you can just, you know, look, look against it like a really bright light. Mm-hmm. You can read what's on there. So that's the first part of why we're doing this on, on, on film reels and not on, you know, CDs or, oh. or, or hard drives. Because we know, you know, CDs and hard drives, uh, they dematerialize over time, right? Like you're, right. you might have still some CD-ROMs that you can no longer read. You might have lost some hard drives with, you know, some MP3s on it of, of family photos. And so we know, you know, that the, our modern media is not is not staying alive for a thousand years. Yeah. And so that's the the first part about the film. Uh, and so we have 186 of those film reels that you can read with your human eyes, and they have open source software on it. Now let me quickly explain what open source software actually mm. is. You know, mm. like we obviously now all know what software is, and you know, with the pandemic this year and us uh, locked at home. Uh, uh, software has become even more important to our lives and like software is dominating our lives right like yeah. when i wake up tomorrow morning uh, my my alarm is coming from my cell phone my, my watch has tracked my sleep right and then i might call my mom <laughs> on a facetime call and you know um, I'm, I'm, i order my groceries and my, my lunch uh, uh, online um, right. everything is in software today and there's so many things in software and I haven't even touched on all the work we're doing, right? Like yeah. all our work lives are now in software. Obviously, you know, your radio show is, is streaming in a, in, a, in a browser for me. It's, it's no longer just a norm, normal phone call. Mm. And a lot of this software is dependent on open source. And what open source means is that the developers of that software are sharing the source code with other developers. Mm. And it's millions of, you know, those repositories. It's, it's effectively a, a project, right? Millions of those projects are stored on GitHub. And so any okay. developer around the world, you know, whether they're in Singapore, whether they're in Berlin, whether they're in London or whether they're in Seattle or New York, they can see that source code. They can, you know, read it to learn something. They can contribute mm-hmm. to it as in, you know, changing a typo or adding a feature. They can file an issue or they can just, you know, discuss with others 
uh, what what they should do uh, going forward. And you know, the Singapore government actually has a, a number over 100 repos um, repositories on on GitHub um, where they store you know all kinds of cool projects from from Singapore. It's digital services and you know uh, law texts and all kinds of those stuff around the world. And so the cool thing about this is you know have you you have millions of developers collaborating around the world across boundaries, you know wow. across languages. You know it doesn't matter to me who's sending me you know, a change request to my repository as long as it's valuable to my repository. And so we thought, we thought, you know, it's worth preserving this for future generations to come. Because, you know, the reality is we humans, we forget things really quickly, mm. right? Like if you just think, if you just think 100 years ago or 200 years ago, if we don't know a lot about this, I mean, I don't know a lot about, you know, my grandparents' generation or, or, or their parents' generation other than stories that my parents would, would tell me, but I can't go just into an, uh, an archive and kind of like understand what their life was like. We know that, you know, mankind has forgotten things like, you know, Roman concrete as, as one example. Mm. And so, you know, we, we decided to store all this open source software and the way we have been, de we've been developing software in this Arctic code world for future generations to come. So in a thousand years, you know, somebody might find this, read all this, you know, decode the, 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 the code on those film reels and then understand how we were developing software in, in 2020. Because we, we kind of already know that it will be different than today, right? We, if you yeah. just look back 10 years, 20 years or 30 years, our lives have changed so much. I mean, those, you know, those cell phones have changed our life so much. Uh, that we know that in a thousand years, well, man, life will be so crazy. So the, the idea is to preserve all that knowledge, that collaboration uh, for future generations to come. We're speaking to Thomas Domke, Vice President for Special Projects at GitHub. Thomas, this must be a very expensive project for GitHub to do. Uh, are you concerned at all about monetizing it, about, uh, you know, uh, how, how you're going to, you know, put this on the on your P&L at the end of the year. Uh, <laughs> it, it can't be cheap, yeah. right, to, to do this. Is there – do you perceive a – since we're a financial radio station, do you perceive a, any sort of a financial outcome for GitHub on this? Yeah, no, um, we're not we're – not, this is not a P&L impact for us. Um, mm. We're not making this to, to sell it. Um, of course, you know, it gives us an opportunity to tell our story. But really what it is about is uh, preserving the knowledge and GitHub as a company is very interesting because GitHub um, is the home of all or most open source software. Most open source projects today are stored on GitHub. Yeah. And so, you know, most collaboration happens. Most of those open source dependencies, how we how say it in lingo, are pulled from GitHub. At the same time, GitHub is also an enterprise company. We are making, you know, money. Um, we're making revenue and profit by selling GitHub Enterprise uh, to customers around the world. So, mm. you know, our profit center is on the enterprise side. But our, our real product, you know, the, what GitHub is being recognized for, what most people see is this, those open source communities. And it's really easy, you know, for you uh, this evening to go into GitHub, create a free account, create a couple of repositories. You can actually decide whether they're public and private. Uh, we want you to do that because it, it, it adds value to the open source ecosystem. The millions of developers um, that develop open source software, they're actually the largest team sports on earth. No, mm -hmm. no single company can compete with all those open source developers because there's millions of them and no company actually has millions of developers. And so we're making money on the enterprise side and we have this open source home and we wanted to give back to the open source community. That's the idea of the Arctic Code World. We want to give back. We want to acknowledge, you know, how important this open source movement have come from the mid 90s when, you know, Linus Torvalds and others had the idea of Linux and open source and the free, you know, compilers and whatnot mm. to where we are today, where all the commercial companies, all the Fortune 500 companies, they're all all depend on open source software. Thomas, I found it was interesting. You're also donating uh, some repositories in four locations around the 
around the globe, right? Can you explain there are different libraries that you're also working with on this? Uh, explain a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, so the, the Arctic Code Wall is just one part of what we call the archive program, right? And I already mentioned this, you know, uh, we, we know that hard drives get damaged, that, you know, sure. CD-ROMs deteriorate. Lots of copies keep stuff safe, right? You want not one, just one backup at your home of your home computer. Ideally, you have multiple backups. Maybe you store a backup copy at your mom's house or you upload all your photos to the cloud. Multiple copies keep stuff safe. And so similar to that approach, we wanted to store a copy of open source in the Arctic code world, but also with other partners. We have something called the pace layers, right? And so the code layer is the Arctic code world, and we won't go there every week or every day because A, it's, it's expensive, and B, you know, at some point the <laughs> mine is just full of software, right? Or full, full of firm reels. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a, a hot layer, which is GitHub itself, right? We have, we have backups from our data centers. We have multiple data centers. Right. Uh, uh, and so if one data center goes down, we can just swap over to another data center, and that way it's you know, hot, hot, hot copies of the same data. And yeah. then in the middle is what we call the VOM layer, uh, where we store the data with, with multiple partners, like the Internet Archive. Uh, where, where I bet you have been to the Wayback machine to see, you know, yeah. an, an old web page, an old ver- version of a web page. So they are cloning all those repos. So we have all those partners. And so most recently, uh, we worked with three libraries, um, the Bordelaine Library in Oxford in the UK, uh, the Bibliotheca Alexandria in Egypt, and the Stanford libraries, Silicon Valley. And then there's, you know, we have our library in our own headquarter uh, in San Francisco. That's So that's the fourth library. So we stored huh. uh, um, um, two of those film reels in a really beautiful uh, box with artwork from an artist on it in those in those four libraries as kind of like an additional layer uh, to the Arctic Code Wall. And the cool thing is, A, you know, once the pandemic is over, you can go to those libraries and so- see this beautiful box with, with the open source software in it. And then, of course, you know, those libraries are experts in preserving knowledge, right? So basically, you have the open source data next right. to important books um, and, you know, in, in, in beautiful shelves. And, and they know how to preserve data because, you know, one piece of archiving is that it's one thing, you know, to store something somewhere. It's the other thing that somebody needs to find it in a thousand years, somebody know, needs to go, needs to know where to go. And a library seems like a very obvious place to do that, right? Like we, libraries have existed uh, for, for centuries, oh, for decades, um, uh, millennia even, right? Because the Bibliotheca Alexandria actually is the successor of the Library of Alexandria, which existed, you know, uh, uh, before Caesar. It actually burned down uh, during, during when then Caesar attacked uh, 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 Alexandria. And, uh, and the Bibliotheca Alexandria is now a successor of this, right? So we know library existed. We, we, as, we as humans, we know where to go to find knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the libraries are a great, great place for that. Thomas, this is fascinating. Uh, thank you so much for being with me today. I, I want to go with you on your next trip to the uh, Svalbard Archipelago <laughs> north of the Arctic Circle. So please uh, drop me a line, will you? Let me know when you're going to head up there because I, I have to see this. Uh, you know, before I die, I want to see that uh, that coal mine with, yeah. with all those repositories. It just looks like a fascinating project. Thomas Domke, Vice President for Special Projects at GitHub, thank you for being with us on Money FM today. Thank you so very much for having me and uh, happy holidays to Singapore. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.